One Hope Church. All right, good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. And those of you joining us online, welcome. Glad you're here. Um, on this November 8, 2020, and we're going to continue our study through the book of Genesis. Um, and this has just been, you know, it's, it's a great book. It's foundational. You know, we really need to understand uh, the book of Genesis in order to have a foundation, um, you know, for the rest of the narrative, for the rest of, of scripture. Um, you know, obviously a person doesn't have to know all of that in order to know that they have fallen short of God's standards, that they need a savior, that they need Jesus. But certainly, um, it, it is a blessing to understand from beginning to end, you know, the, the plan of, of God and to see from beginning to end the grace of God and the love of God, you know, for us. And so I just wanted to remind us this morning as we get started, and uh, there's going to be a little wind noise, you know, with the microphones and everything, but uh, please bear with us on that. Um, one of the blessings of meeting outside in creation, we get to deal with some elements a little bit. Um, but that's where Genesis starts. It starts with God as creator. And this is hugely important because you are either here today because there is a God who intentionally created our universe and therefore intentionally created you and made you with a value, as the scripture says, making you in his image, giving you and every other human being a, an intrinsic value based on what God has said, not on your um, abilities or ethnicity or language or any of those things, but based on that God has made you in his image and has given you intrinsic value that no one can take away from you so your identity can be in God and not in other things or you are here by some you know random chance and your life does not have a defined purpose or meaning or value and you are therefore as disposable as anything else um, in our in our universe, you are just a random collection of atoms. Um, now, it's interesting. I've I've yet to find somebody who, at least at some point in their life, doesn't doesn't see that they have some value or purpose, or that they are you know people see themselves as more than a, just a collection of random atoms you know you ever ask somebody their name you're like that's not important i'm just a random collection of atoms i don't even know why i'm here you know like that doesn't happen right you know there's a, there's something we know about ourselves and let's not um deny that and we also know this that we know that there even if we have different understandings or different Agreements. Everybody in this world still calls certain things right and other things wrong. There is an under, a basic understanding of right and wrong. And we know that everything is not as it should be. We know that everything is not as it should be. And the scripture explains that to us as the fall of, you know, Adam and Eve in disobedience to God, plunging the human race into sin. 
We've seen Noah. We've seen the Tower um, of Babel. And we have Abraham who is called out that in him all the families of the earth we bless. And this is what we talked about last week where Abraham is called by God in Genesis 12 to leave the false gods of his fathers, of his father, and to follow the true and living God, to depart from the land that he knew into a land that he didn't know, to take a step of faith and to answer the call of God that was put on his life. And Abraham does so. Abraham leaves his father's house. He leaves his father's gods. And again, it's tremendously important because we talk, and I just want to emphasize it again, especially if you didn't get to hear the message um, from last week, that whenever we are sharing with, you know, Jesus with, with people, you know, many times we are asking them to leave the beliefs, the gods, of, you know, their, their ancestors. But that's exactly what God asked Abraham to do. And also, if we go back far enough, we all have common ancestors that have followed, that have followed the true and living God. Because we have Noah in common and we have Adam in common. And Eve. And so, that's um, our call is is when somebody says you're asking me to leave the gods of my fathers yes and to return to the ones that they from from the one God that they left now this is um, where we go into today and I'm going to summarize a little bit because we have a good bit to read, but um, I'm going to do some summary, and you can go back again and read Genesis, you know, Genesis chapter 12 and and 13 and 14. Um, but let's go to Lord in prayer, and we'll get into the lesson for this morning. So, Heavenly Father, we come to you now. We thank you for the privilege to be here, to know you, God, to worship you in spirit and in truth, and we ask for your help. Thank you that you love us and that you care for us. And Lord, help us um, to know your truth and to live by it. Lord, we pray that our eyes would be fixed on you this morning, dear Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That Jesus, you went to the cross on our behalf because of the sins that we have committed. That you are true and holy and righteous. And we thank you for your great love for us and that you are a risen Savior and you are still the one true king of the universe. And we give all praise to you in your name, Jesus. Amen. So in the second half of Genesis chapter 12, and and this, again, parts of this I'm going to summarize for you. I do encourage you to go back and just read verse by verse, chapter by chapter, um, as that's generally our our pattern, but we got a good bit to get through this morning. In the second half of Genesis 12, there's a famine where Abraham and Sarah are. And so they travel down to Egypt. And on the way, Abraham tells Sarah, like, listen, you're beautiful. We're going into this, you know, we're going into Egypt. 
I'm afraid that they're going to kill me so that they can take you. Um, and so I want you to lie. You know, we're going to lie and say that you're my sister, not my wife. And that's what they do. Um, and in that, you know, Pharaoh treats um, Abraham, you know, well. Um, Sarah's like put in, you know, to kind of his household, though they, you know, Pharaoh has, you know, many wives and has, it doesn't seem like has not taken her as a wife. But there's the potential that that could happen. And God, you know, fulfilling his promises, despite Abraham's, you know, lack of faith in this in this trial, um, spares Abraham and Sarah and keeps his plan intact. Because remember, God had promised Abraham, you know, in your seed, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so God, you know, basically gives the, you know, Abraham's household a sickness. And then it's exposed what had happened. And Pharaoh basically says, you know, go ahead and leave, you know, take your stuff and go. Um, you know, and, and we understand Abraham's fear because we are humans with fear. And, and we have a propensity to avoid um, what we view as dangerous situations. But Abraham had been given basically, if it was a video game, he got like this, you know, invincibility card or pill or whatever. Because God had made a promise to him. True and living God had made a promise to him and God keeps his promises. So, you know, understand how this could have gone differently. Abraham could have taken his wife, Sarah, down to Egypt. Gone into Pharaoh's palace and said, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Abraham. I used to worship the false gods of my, of my father. But then the true and living God, Yahweh, called me and made promises to me. And one of the promises he made to me is that all those who bless me will be blessed and those who curse me will be cursed. This is my wife, Sarah. If you try to take her from me or if you try to kill me, God will not allow you to do such. And he will strike you down. So do you want to, you know, we can do this the hard way or the easy way. That's, I mean... Abraham was given a promise by the true and living God and could have done that. But instead, he operates out of the fear in his own flesh. The fear in his own heart of what other people might do to him. Well, you know, you might be thinking of this morning and say, you know, but should I've read the whole Bible and, you know, Abraham was given that promise. Yes. Yes. And, you know, other people are given certain promises about their longevity, like the Apostle John. But, you know, no such promise has been made to me. Well, there's some folks that we can look at in the scripture there as well. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are told bow down to this idol. 
or be thrown into the fiery furnace. And what is their response? Their response is, I'm not going to do it. You can throw me in the fiery furnace and God may spare us. He may do some miraculous thing and spare our lives. Or we might die in that furnace, but we're not bowing down. And God spares them. And you're like, okay, well, that's, that's, that's awesome. But what about, you know, others like Stephen? You know, Stephen gets actually stoned to death. Well, let, let's be reminded what Jesus told his disciples in Matthew chapter 10. He says, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Jesus tells his disciples, listen, what I tell you now in our private conversations, I want you to go. And shout it on the rooftops. And don't be afraid of those who can kill their body. And his, you know, he let them know, you know, some of them were going to die. For their faith in Jesus. For their faith in him, some of them were going to lose their physical lives. But he says, don't worry about that. You know, don't fear. Don't live in fear. Except for fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And and now I want to say something to us this morning. To the to not not to the false church, but to the true church of Jesus Christ. Those who really believe in him, you know, it's like Jesus, I trust you for my salvation and you're my king. And like that's real in the heart. Folks, well, if, if that's your condition, God is, you know, saved. You don't have to fear the judgment of God. You don't have to fear the wrath of God. That was taken on the cross by Jesus on your behalf. And you certainly don't have other humans to fear. Because no one can touch you unless God is okay with it. And yes, God might be okay with it. Understand that. For his glory, for you to die at the hands of wicked people who would say, we'll kill you because you're a follower of Jesus. But what are you guaranteed? You are guaranteed already, regardless of whether that happens or not, as a follower of Jesus, you are guaranteed that this mortal body that's only going to last a short time anyway is going to be replaced and you're going to be you you know you are an eternal spirit and you will spend forever and ever in the presence of God so again what do you have to fear what do you have to fear But the reality is that so such a high percentage of the time, the true church of Jesus is terrified and lives a terrified life. The, the average 
follower of Jesus, a true legitimate follower of Jesus, is walking around in fear so often. Fear of, if these people know I'm a follower of Jesus, how will they view me or treat me? Fear of academic consequences in class for standing up and saying, no, I I don't believe that's true. And as a follower of Jesus, let me tell you why I don't believe that's true. Fear of not getting a promotion at work. Fear of getting fired for speaking about Jesus. What did Jesus tell us? What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. You see, we have a problem. And, and sometimes I have to own this problem as mine, as, as ashamed of it as I am. But I got to think seriously, are there some of my neighbors who don't, I mean, who I've had conversations with, who I've talked with for, you know, any length of time? Are there any of them like have any any lack of understanding about what I believe? Because if they do, if any of them do, that's a problem. That's a problem. There should be no question for my neighbors of of what I believe. There should be no question among anybody I play ball with what I believe. There should be no question in your classes about what you believe. Dear students, there should be no question among your coworkers about what you believe. See, because if there's a question what Jesus has told you in the ear you've kept in your own heart and haven't shared it? Or is there an even greater disconnect? You know, a disconnect of life. Where people looking at your life without saying words that they don't really see much difference. Look, people can't tell the difference between followers of Jesus and just, you know, average people in the world, what's going on? That's a problem. There should be some things that we just can't hide, folks. And if you're a follower of Jesus, being a follower of Jesus is something you shouldn't be able to hide. You should be worried like, oh, they might find me out. Well, of course they're going to find me out. They're going to know from the get-go. If our identity is in Christ. You see, we have the ultimate invincibility card or power pill or whatever you want to say it is. I mean, if you're a follower of Jesus, you are actually invincible. And you carry around the power of God with you wherever you go. So if that's not being lived out, if that's not being lived out, why is that? What's the issue? What's the problem? Well, I think that's where we have to get on our knees before King Jesus and confess the reality of our hearts and minds. We have to ask for for strength 
and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I saw something this this week, and I even questioned whether I was going to share this this morning or not. But I think, in the context, it's appropriate. Um, you know, somebody had shared a clip earlier in the week um, of Vladi uh, Bakum from years ago, and talking about one of the great problems we have in the church. And again, there he's talking about the real deal, not about false things or just posing as Christian. And here's one of the real problems. A young person is serious about the Lord, wants to worship the Lord, wants to read the Bible, wants to study. And everybody around them says, oh, you must be called to ministry. You need to go to seminary. And he said this, and I hadn't thought about it this way. And he said, it's because the church will only stand mediocrity in the spiritual life. So this is what happens. Somebody gets fired up about following Jesus and everybody else is like, I can't have you around me. You need to be separated. You need to go. You need to go off to this special place and do the special thing. Because you see, then I can put you in a separate category. And I don't have to be faced with my own mediocrity. And, and he used an illustration about that. And but just how ridiculous that is. How somebody, you know, young person in the church should be, you know, I want to grow in my faith. And there should be tons of people in that church saying, we can help you do that right here. And if the Lord has called you to full-time ministry, praise God. But if he's called you to the marketplace to, you know, there's going to be zero difference in your zeal for God. Zero difference in your zeal for God. If he calls you to, to a, you know, just, just an ordinary job. Zero difference in your zeal for God. And, and, and just thinking about that, I mean, he was talking about it, you know, in this way, it's like, you know, being a follower of Jesus is something that you can be not very good at for a very long time and nobody questions it. <laughs> like how many things in life can you be not very good at for decades, but be like, this is who I am and this is what I do. And everybody's like, okay, that's, that's normal. That's average. I mean, that's, that's a wake up call, folks. That's pretty sad. That's a question for each of us. Because what I what I, I pray and hope is that none of us are looking at our lives, no matter where, like right now, if you're on fire, praise God. But if you're like, yeah, I'm pretty mediocre right now. I would pray that none of us would be like, you know, and I'd like to just stay mediocre for like the next 5, 10, 15, 
20, 30 years. Well, how can we avoid that outcome? And it's, it actually is pretty simple. You know, that's the thing about it, folks. We know the answer to that, right? Every one of you knows the answer. Because it's not complicated. To, to not live a mediocre Christian life, to not live a mediocre life in following Jesus, you only need two things. One is a decision. One is a decision that just says, I will not be mediocre. And two is the acknowledgement of the reality that on my own, I will be mediocre. So what do I need? Well, I need God. (laughs) I need God's help. And therefore, I have to be humble and say, God, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And I have to have the accountability of others that he's put in my life to keep me on track. So if you want to divide those, we can do that. So we just have three. Make it simple. Just three things. One is a decision. Two is a humbleness before God that says, I must have your help. And three is accountability. If you have those things and you will do the other things that are, you know, we'll do the other things that are necessary, right? Because what does that mean then? Like, what does that then, is is that going to look like? in life. It, well, it's going to mean that following Jesus is going, like spending time with Jesus is going to move way up on the priority list. And I don't want to hear any of us, myself included, say, I ain't got time for that. Because you have time for that. And it's actually the one thing that can't go in terms of your time. You see, there's a lot of things you can do without. You know, you can live with less sleep. You can live with less television. You can live with less Georgia Bulldog football. You can live with less time in the woods. You can live with, you know, whatever hobby you have. You can live with reading less books. You can live with less Facebook, you can live with less Instagram, you can live with less whatever, but you can't really live well with less Jesus. You see, and so until we come to grips with that reality, we're just going to be mediocre. And I apologize for the times where I am mediocre. There's times where I'm just just mediocre or worse. 
And it's just not acceptable. And so I, I want to challenge every last one of us. You know, this is whether you're, you know, 75, 55, 45, 35, 25, 15, 5, whatever it is. I mean, as soon as you know, like start looking in the mirror and say, where am I? And how much time am I spending at the feet of Jesus? How much time am I spending in the Word? What are my true priorities? And if I was, and ask this question, because, you know, in everything we're biased, right? Like, we watch a football game. Oh, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's, if it's your team, it was a dirty hit. If it was the other team, it was a clean hit. It was their team, it was a holding penalty. If it was your team, no, that was a clean block. Get it together, refs. Okay. But an independent observer, somebody who doesn't care who wins the game, is going to look at it a little bit different than your biased eyes, my biased eyes. So what I'm asking, therefore, is so a person that wasn't biased looking at my life, like what would they say I care about? What would they say my priorities are? What would they say I love? What would they say I tolerate? What would they say I hate? And here's the thing about it. You know, Jesus is not a respecter of persons. God is not a respecter of persons. He is, God is biased just if we believe in him because we're his children. But at the same time, he's going to give a fair evaluation of where we're at. He's not going to sugarcoat the truth. He's going to tell us what's what's real and what's not real. Can can we ask the Lord this morning? To help us. You see, you see, folks, because when we hear the words of Jesus, whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light, and whatever you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Folks, that's a litmus test. That lets us know a lot. Maybe not everything, but it lets us know a lot, right? I'm going to finish this this morning. I'm not getting near as far in Genesis as I had um, anticipated. Melchizedek, which was one of the awesome names in Scripture, Melchizedek. Um... We're gonna we're gonna have to wait till next week. Lord willing, we have next week, and we get to talk about Melchizedek. But let me go back to Matthew ten.
and there's, you know, so much in Matthew 10, but verse 38 says, and he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. May God help us to be willing to take up that cross daily and to lay our lives down. And that's not, folks, that's not just talking about like that one time point decision. If you're one of the very few followers of Jesus and, well, I don't want to say very few, but if you're, you know, not a huge, uh, well, I, I don't want to try to guess, you know, percentages on, on those who've actually died for the name of Jesus. But in our context, it would be a pretty rare, rare thing. Um, let the Lord called you to someplace much more dangerous than, than, than Athens, Georgia. Let's just say that for right now. But it's about laying down our lives. For a greater cause. And that cause, his name is Jesus. He's the giver of the cause. And the cause is to make disciples of everybody everywhere. And and folks, I get it. Like sometimes in our city it can be hard to stand up for the name of Jesus when you know a, a, a lot of people aren't interested in that. But you can do that here. And we must do that here. Because this is where we are right now. And if the Lord asks you to go somewhere else in your life, that's what you're going to do there. need to do there. Whether it's easier there or harder there. Wherever you are. Wherever you are. Whatever I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. And what you hear in the ear, preach on the housetops. Do not fear. Do not fear other human beings. Like that fear has got to go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love and your goodness to us. God, based on how you made us in your image and how you valued us and how you sought our redemption, it was at the cost of Jesus Christ, the one sent forth from you, dear Father, on our behalf to take our sin and our punishment. And now, those of us who know you, we need your help to be people of courage and people who are not afraid to call your name and people who have our priorities straight. That Jesus knowing you and making disciples would be our priorities. And so help us, Lord, to have our priorities straight. Help me, Lord. Fill our hearts with your love, your joy, 
and your peace and help us to be people who live with purpose. As we take the bread and cup this morning, Lord, we give thanks for that great sacrifice made for us. And we give you praise. And in that, Lord, we ask that you would correct each one of our hearts, wherever it needs to be corrected. We ask it in your name, dear Jesus. Amen. I'll set the, um, we'll set the bread and cup here. It's an individual safe um, format. And we encourage you to take it this morning. If you know Jesus as your savior, the scripture instructs us to, you know, make sure our, our hearts and minds are right, you know, with the Lord before we take it, but then to take it, so you might have to confess, you know, sin. Um, but if you don't know the Lord and you're here this morning, you don't know Jesus as your savior and as your king, we encourage you you are just to humble yourself and say, Lord, save me. He will. And then you can remember the one who has saved you and take that bread and that cup. Thank you this morning. Thank you.